When we think of forming new habits, our minds often go to the obvious: changing what we eat, how much we exercise, what time we go to bed or get up in the morning, or deciding to meditate. Those are all good habits to pay attention to, and there's one more that I would add that can change your life just as much as those. Our question this episode: Which small word choices make a huge difference? Welcome to episode sixty-four of How Can I Say This, where we look to build connection and community through courageous conversations. I'm your host Beth Bilo. Thank you so much for joining me today. In the last episode, I focused on humor in communication, and I promised a part two. It was in the works. This episode is not it. But it will be coming soon. I just realized that I needed to do a little research first, and between traveling and work and life, I haven't had the chance to give it the attention it deserves. There is, however, an equally important topic that we're going to explore a bit in this short episode: empowering and disempowering language. The inspiration for the topic came from a Facebook post a friend shared. It offered a reminder to us, well, actually to women in particular, that using small modifiers in our speech undermines our message. The examples the post shared were sort of, just, and maybe. For instance, "You're making me sort of uncomfortable," and "I'm just trying to help." And maybe you should leave. These tiny words make a large impression. They cause us to sound like we're hedging, lacking confidence, or we're dismissing our thoughts or efforts. We use them for a variety of reasons. It might be habit, which causes us not to hear ourselves saying the words, and the habit most likely comes from a feeling that these words soften the edges of what we're saying. By using them, we sound less threatening or abrupt. If we remove the modifiers, it might sound too direct or even rude to our ears. Removing the modifiers would sound like "You are making me uncomfortable" or "You should leave." For many people, that kind of directness is uncomfortable, and adding the modifiers, like I said, softens the edges. And are they really necessary? Do they diminish the impact of your words? The word "just" might seem like it's not a big deal. It first came to my attention several years ago.、Um, I first thought about dropping the word "just" when someone brought to my attention that I sometimes entered a room by saying, "It's just me." I mean, really, what's wrong with saying "It's me"? Adding "just" sounds almost apologetic, as if we're saying. Pay me no mind. I'm just not that important. What about saying, "Hi, I made it," or "I'm here"? The other place "just" gets overused is by restaurant greeters. When they say "just the two of you," it feels as if they're disappointed, or that we're not enough if it's only the two of us. I understand that they're checking in and they're confirming that it's two people and more won't be joining us. That said, would there be any harm in making a small change to saying two of you today, or will anyone else be joining you? Leave out the just, and it will feel a little bit less like we're letting the restaurant down because we didn't bring ten of our closest friends. And this goes not just in the restaurant industry, but any time where you're greeting someone and you need to check out the number. 
remove the word "just" because again, it makes it sound like oh, there's some level of disappointment that there's not more than however many of you that there are. Another word that Post mentioned was "maybe." Inserting "maybe" into requests or statements is very similar to "sort of," in that it makes it sound like what you're saying is up for debate. A close cousin to "maybe" and "sort of" is "kind of," which serves the same purpose of giving the speaker and the listener an out. It leaves the door open for us to be wrong, which isn't always a bad thing, but we tend to say it even when we're right. Using "sort of" or "kind of" always makes us sound like we aren't confident in our knowledge. We might think that it makes us be perceived as less arrogant, that we come across with more humility. There are other ways to avoid arrogance than discounting our words with "sort of" or "kind of." Some is through tone of voice, speaking firmly but in a calm, measured way that makes it clear you're open to hearing what others think. Other words and phrases that undermine your communication include saying "I'm sorry" too much, prefacing your comments with "I don't know" or "I'm not sure," and using the word "but" instead of "and." When it comes to "I'm sorry," there's a time and place where it's appropriate, and there are many more times we say it when it's totally not necessary. At the end of the day, it all comes down to your motivation and the context. And here I'm speaking of situations that are normal everyday encounters. For instance, we say "I'm sorry" if we bump into someone, or if we don't hold the door open and realize that we should have, or we don't do what's expected of us. We might genuinely be sorry, and if it's a blatant disregard for someone else's space or welfare, like if we have honestly offended someone, then I would venture to say that saying sorry is perfectly acceptable and. Probably expected. Oftentimes, though, it's just as appropriate to say, "Oh, excuse me," or "Oops, I didn't mean to say that," or "I didn't mean to do that." We often apologize if we're late and we've kept someone waiting, or we didn't do a task such as reply to an email in a timely fashion. Again, feel free to say, "I'm sorry" if it feels like you've done harm. Most of the time, however, no harm has been done, and it's just as well to say, "Thanks for waiting," or "Thanks for your patience with the delay," or "Thank you for understanding." Instead of apologizing, you're just expressing gratitude for the way that the other person has responded to whatever the behavior is that you were doing. If you find yourself apologizing a lot to the same person, check in with yourself to see if you're saying, "I'm sorry." Out of habit or even fear. Now that is an entirely different thread that I'm not ready to go down today, but it's something to notice if you say "I'm sorry" a lot. If you're doing it out of fear, it's because you want to quickly defuse a situation, and you know that saying "I'm sorry" is the fastest way out of the trouble. In saying it without expecting a reciprocal apology, you might be taking responsibility for something that's not yours. You might be worried that if you don't say it, the other person will hold a grudge or punish you in some way. Those are all warning signals that the underlying motivation for saying "I'm sorry" is based in fear, rather than in trying to build a stronger relationship with someone. 
While being quick to apologize can be a dysfunctional way to dismiss a problem or avoid a confrontation that might be important for the relationship, being the first and the fastest to say "I'm sorry" also can be an indicator of a healthy relationship. If you're on the side of the debate that you know you feel like you're the one that needs to say "I'm sorry," you can see what went wrong. You're willing to take responsibility for what's yours, and you're not interested in letting problems fester and grow. As Dale Carnegie would say, "If you're wrong, admit it quickly and emphatically." And I know I've brought this up on this podcast before, so here I am saying it again: If you're wrong, admit it quickly and emphatically. The key words there are "if you're wrong." That's a threshold to keep in mind if you find yourself apologizing unnecessarily. Another phrase I don't know about this, but is also worth eliminating from your vocabulary. It's a preemptive disclaimer that diminishes your credibility. It's similar to sort of and maybe in that it can seem like what you're doing is showing humility, but really you're hedging. You're saying I'm not confident in what I'm about to say. And sometimes, yes, that might genuinely be the case, and other times it comes across as lacking confidence and trust in yourself. If it is true that you don't know, consider some alternative phrases such as "Here's what I know right now," or "Please correct me if I have this wrong," or "Based on the information I have," or "Based on my experience." Those can all be lead-ins to sharing the information that before you might have said, "I might be wrong about this." Each of these offers some context for the listener, as well as acknowledges that you may not have all of the necessary information. If what you're trying to do is sound humble, let that go. All of those phrases that I just gave you are ways to soften any perceptions of arrogance. They might not sound quite as humble as. I might not be right about this, or I'm not sure, or I don't know. But they are more confident than when you preface a piece of information with "I don't know." In the end, trust your body language, your tone of voice, the other person listening. Trust all of those things to tell a bigger story that doesn't require disclaimers. The final word change I want to offer today is both simple and powerful. Swapping out "but" for "and," or dropping the "but" altogether. Most of us learn this tip at some point in early adulthood, and even so, it's easy to forget it. When we use the word "but" to connect two thoughts, it negates the first part of the sentence. For instance, "You're doing a great job, but I need you to come in on time," or "You look really nice." But I'm not sure about that tie. We tend to assume that whatever came before the but was said as a way to butter us up, and I just realized what I did there. But butter us up anyway, or make the criticism not seem so bad. It's a completely different energy when we say, "You're doing a great job, and it's still important that you come in on time," or "You look really nice, and I'm really not sure about that tie." When we're writing, it's easier to drop the but because, in addition to saying "and," you can choose to divide your thought into two separate sentences or link them together with a semicolon. When you're writing or speaking aloud, and "and" feels weird or doesn't work for some reason, you can always say, "That said," or 
And yet, both of those are just, you know, even however might work, although however is also a bit dismissive of whatever came before it. So I encourage you to default to either separate sentences, dropping the but, a semicolon, that said, or and yet. And actually, as I was doing this, I remembered one more. So I I lied a moment ago when I said that was my final word. Let's all stop using the phrase, don't hesitate, when inviting someone to contact us or ask for something. That phrase implies that that person has to overcome some level of fear or misgiving in order to reach out. Instead, say, feel free, or I welcome you, or I invite you to, or I hope you'll reach out or let me know. Anything, but don't hesitate. Let's stop assuming people will feel hesitant to do something as simple as ask a question or give us a call. My call to action for you is to pay attention to the small ways you could be undermining your influence on a daily basis by using these words and phrases. Notice the buts, sort ofs, maybes, I'm sorry's, justs, and don't hesitates you'll likely notice that at least one of these is an unproductive language habit that you have. And by raising your awareness, you're probably realizing that you weren't aware of it before. It it has a way of becoming that habit that we, we stop noticing. Once you do notice it, commit to making a change by either eliminating the word or phrase that you've identified or swapping it out for something more empowering and productive. Most of the time, you can probably stop saying it altogether. Other times, all that's needed is another way to express the same idea. As you've been listening, I'm guessing other words and phrases have popped into your head. So I'm curious, what words or phrases have you found diminish your influence and undermine your message? Share your thoughts as a comment on this post on HowCanIsayThis.com or drop me a line using the contact form or emailing me at Beth at HowCanIsayThis.com. I'm guessing that this won't be the last time that you hear me talk about empowering language, so I would love to incorporate your experiences into the conversation. This is Beth Bilo, and you've been listening to How Can I Say This? You can find past episodes, find out how to leave a review, and learn more about the show at HowCanIsayThis.com. And if you're looking for a dynamic, informative, and thought-provoking speaker for your conference, meeting, or event, I would love to talk to you. Email me at Beth at HowCanIsayThis.com or fill out the contact form on the website. A special thank you to our podcast producer, Paul Messing. Our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously. Courageously.